Well, we're continuing in our Faces series, and of course, week one, we talked about the face of anger. Week two, we talked about the face of depression. The third week, Pastor Brandon talked about the face of worry. And then uh, last week, Tanya did an amazing job of talking about the face of fear. And, um, you know, uh, I encourage you, if you weren't here, to get a copy of that and listen to it. But today, I want to talk to you about the face of inferiority. And, um, you know, what's inferiority? It's, um, it's when you're always placing a lower value or importance on yourself than everyone else around you. Inferiority is basically having a mental image of yourself that's inferior to other people. Now, let me just stop long enough to say that, you know, the Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And some people have that problem. They think they, they think too highly of themselves. I think you call that arrogance. Something like that. Have y'all ever heard of that? But I believe for the most part, the majority of people, they don't have a problem of thinking too highly of themselves. Most people have a problem of thinking too lowly of themselves. They have an inferiority complex, the Bible calls it. Amen? But whenever you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? You know, do you see somebody that is, um, you know, that, um, that is worthless or inadequate? Do you see someone that is uh, in a lower place or position than everybody else around you? Do you see somebody incapable and inferior to others? Or do you see yourself in the image and likeness of God, somebody who has an amazing ability because of the amazing grace of God flowing through you? You know, the truth is many people suffer from an inferiority complex And when they look in the mirror, they don't see themselves as a child of God. They see themselves as inadequate, inferior. And they see themselves as less than the rest of society. You know, they think that uh, everybody else is more attractive than them. Everybody else is more skilled and more gifted than them. And, uh, and, and so they look at themselves as, as less than everybody else. And, And it's a problem. When you struggle with an inferiority complex, You place a lower value on yourself than you should and ultimately become imprisoned in your own mind, in your own spirit. And I think that the fuel of that is from the enemy himself. See, the problem with inferiority is that inferiority affects your behavior. Number one, it either affects your behavior, uh, it robs you of personal self-worth or self-confidence. It's, un, it's not uncommon for people that deals with inferiority to, to struggle with shyness and quietness and being easily intimidating, having a very low self-esteem uh, and very low self-confidence. And uh, that's what surfaced in Gideon's life. If you're familiar with the Bible and you remember when, when Gideon, when God called on Gideon to lead uh, his people, Gideon was struggling with an inferiority complex. The Bible says in Judges 6 and 14, and the Lord turned him, turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am standing or I am sending you. But the, but Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in the entire family. What was surfacing in Gideon's life when God was trying to use him? I think it was an inferiority complex. My clan is the weakest, he said, weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And by the way, I'm the least in my entire family. 
See, Gideon's inferiority complex was causing him to feel intimidated and struggle with poor self-worth and self-confidence. And when God wanted to use him, he was struggling with being willing to be used of God. I remember, um, you know, does this sound familiar to anybody? You see, and I believe that there are people in this room right now that that their their lives are being hindered by this, what we're talking about today. And I could clearly see it. You know, I remember my first uh, encounter with this this feeling of inferiority and recognizing it for what it was. I remember I was, uh, Brother Francis asked me to preach on Wednesday night uh, after we got a youth pastor and and I was uh, the, the guy that preached every Wednesday night. And I remember in the old building, we we're having a powerful move of God. It was a Wednesday night and God spirit was moving. People were all up at the altar. We were praying for people. People were getting delivered. People were getting uh, set free. It was just an amazing thing that was happening. And I remember seeing Brother Francis walk in the room. He had, he had another meeting or something. And when he walked in, all of a sudden, you know, this great anointing I felt on me as I was leading the service just left. And all of a sudden, it's like everything just quieted down. So, okay, everybody go back to your seats and we'll just move on with the service. And then later on, I started thinking about that. Man, what happened? Was it because Brother Francis walked in the room that everything shut down? No, it was because of my inferiority complex. I felt like when Brother Francis walked in the room, he might not like what I was doing. And I all of a sudden felt intimidated and inferior. And it totally me shut me down in just being used of God. It's the first time I'd ever experienced that. So inferiority can affect your behavior and it can rob your confidence in God. But number two, inferiority can cause you to have an overly aggressive and ungodly personality. And and so, you know, people sometimes with an inferiority complex, they become loud and they got to make a noise. They, they're proud and they're loud and they're, they draw attention to themselves and they're superior minded and they're attention-seeking, and they're jealous, and they're angry, and they're paranoid, and they can become even hostile towards others, all in an attempt to silence the very voice inside of them that keeps telling them that they're inferior. And And the translation of that is it messes up their behavior. If you remember when King Saul was the leader of Israel, the Bible tells us he began to attack David to the point that he began throwing spears at him. You remember that story? In fact, one of the places we went in, uh, in Getty is the very place where they believe that Saul and David had that experience in the caves there. But you know, I believe the reason that Saul became so angry and aggressive in his behavior because the negative effects of inferiority. Do you remember the Bible says in 1 Samuel 18 and verse 6, it says that when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistines, women from all towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul and they sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This is this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they will be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And the very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand. And he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. 
Now, as you can see that it was because of David's success as a king that Saul became so angry and he became so jealous. It was David's success that caused King Saul to all of a sudden start to feel inferior to David. And what happened was it affected his behavior and it caused him to become so aggressive and ungodly that he was trying to kill David. What's happening to Saul here? I think he was suffering from an inferiority complex. And it was causing him to become so aggressive in his behavior. The problem with inferiority is it can cause you to become angry and hostile and even abusive towards other people. And the problem is not with other people. The problem is how you perceive yourself. You know, I wonder how many people are verbally and physically abused in homes all across our our community. And the problem is that somebody's suffering with inferiority and whenever they feel intimidated or they feel that somebody's doing better than them or whatever, the only thing they know to do is to leash out. Are y'all following me? I wonder how many people are throwing spears in workplaces, you know, supervisors and bosses that have to just take tear other people down because they're in inferior, they feel inferior and they're not secure in who they are in Christ and in their position. So they got to try to knock everybody else down to make themselves look good. I'm wondering how many times that happens in workplaces where one worker tries to throw the other person under the bus and it stems from an inferiority complex. They don't see themselves in the way that they should. And then, you know, I I can't believe that this would ever happen in church. But could it be that even with pastors and leaders and, 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 and workers and congregations that they're leashing out at each other because they, they're playing, they're having a, a, they're having problems. They're struggling with what they feel and what they see about themselves. And they're trying to knock other people down to try to elevate themselves and make themselves feel a little better. Hmm. People with the problem of inferiority oftentimes become very loud very prideful, superior-minded, attention-seeking, jealous, angry, paranoid, and even abusive towards others. All in an attempt to silence the voice inside them that says, you're worthless, you're inadequate, you're inferior to other people. So inferiority can affect your behavior. But number two, inferiority also negatively affects your view of God. It's true. I think it's true that your view of yourself is oftentimes the way that you view God. And if you don't have confidence in yourself, then you probably struggle to have confidence in God because you're looking at God through your own eyes. How you see yourself oftentimes is how you see God. Does that make sense? You see, when God sent those 12 spies into the promised land, You remember that, to spy out the land. I think inferiority had a big difference and influence in the report of the 12 spies. Do you remember, uh, you know, the the 10 spies, I believe, were struggling with what we're talking about today. And uh, I think they had an inferiority problem. But the two, Joshua and Caleb, they they had overcome. They had overcome that inferiority complex. Listen to the report of the 10 spies. This is what they said. In Numbers 13, 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land of which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. I mean, they brought back this cluster of grapes they had to carry on a pole between two shoulders. How many of you know that's big grapes right there? Verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful, 
And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. That's the giants. So all ten spies agreed that it was a great land, but they, the, but they had tremendous revelation and, and, uh, and a reservation, and they lacked the confidence that they could go into the promised land. But here's the reason why. Verse uh, Numbers 13.33 says, We saw Nephilim, they are the descendants of Anak from the Nephilim, that's the giants, and we seem like, listen, like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so I think the reason they didn't have confidence in God is because they felt inferior. They had an inferior mentality and a mindset. And their mental image of themselves was so small, weak, and insignificant that they were struggling with a defeated mentality. And I believe there's people in church that struggle with a defeated mentality, and it's not because God lost his power. It's not because God lost his ability to set us free. I think their inferiority showed their, their vision and view, their skewed vision and view of God. And so I think that Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, they had overcome because the verse 30 says that Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. I think the difference between the 12 spies is that Joshua and Caleb had got set free. And I think if we want to go in the promised land, we got to get set free, amen? The third problem with inferiority is it hinder you from reaching your spiritual destiny. And so, you know, what's really sad about the story we just talked about is out of a whole nation of people, only two people got a chance to go in the promised land. I mean, we were there. We just spent 10 days there, the promised land. Out of a whole nation, only two people went in. Why? Because they were held in bondage by a spirit of inferiority. The scripture says in Numbers 14, 23, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and he followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. I want to go in the promised land. What about you? Come on, I don't want to just like, you know, Moses got a chance to look out over it. I want to go in. What about you? I don't want to just hear about it. And listen, I know that when we get, when we die and we go to heaven, that's the promised land. But I believe God's got a promise for us right here and right now. Amen. But you know what? The spirit of inferiority will keep you out of it. And I wonder, you know, how many of us are leaving blessings on the table, not because God don't want to give it to us, because of what we're, how we see ourselves, how we're viewing ourselves. And I believe the Lord wants to set us free. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me in here? Is my mic on? The Lord wants to set us free from that, amen? I mean, he, wants to, he don't want us to be arrogant. He don't want us, you know, to be, you know, prideful. But he wants us to be confident so we can go in, amen? But we're not going to go in if all we see when we look in the mirror is this defeated, weak, and, and uh, failure of a person, amen? So let's, let's conclude today by just talking about how do you overcome? How do you overcome inferiority? Well, first, I believe you got to reprogram your mental and spiritual computer. You know, many times the reason why we feel inferior is because the messages we've received through life. Like, you know, uh, somewhere at some time we received a message and we were told that we are a nobody, that we're a failure or whatever it is. Amen. 
And it could be that some person or some experience made an entry into your spirit and sent you a message that you've been living with for a long time. It sent a message deep into your spirit and then you received that message and you've been living in that, in that message for a long time and the Lord said, it's time that you reprogram that computer. Let's get that message out of there, amen? Come on, are y'all with me out there? You know, I thought, well, I probably better share a little bit for them to, I want to share you just a couple of personal stories, not for you to feel sorry for me, but to make the point, okay? But I remember whenever I was young, I was, I don't know, maybe, you know, sixth grade, fifth grade, something like that. And you know, in school, you take pictures, school pictures, and you bring them home. You can't wait to get your pictures and, you know, oh, look, my picture and all that. And I remember one year I got my pictures and, and, you know, you know, you're running home and, and we're sitting in the living room, we're eating snacks after, and, and I'm one of seven, we had a lot of siblings, you know. And so I'm looking at my picture and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. I, this is a terrible picture. Oh, look at, look at my picture. And I was ranting and raving about my picture. I, obviously, I was not satisfied with how it came out. And I remember my brother, no, no, no malicious intention, but he said, well, it just looks exactly like you. <laughs> and, and that's what everybody else in the room did. They started laughing. And so at, at such a young age and so impressionable, this was my older brother. You know what I heard? You are ugly. That's what I heard. And quite frankly, that message I received that day followed me for years. Followed me for years. I remember another time, I was in high school now. Been playing ball for a long time. I think I was pretty, pretty decent ball player. And I went out for the high school team. And, and they had all these guys. They went out, and there was only just a few too many for everybody to be chosen on the team. But you know what? I was one that wasn't chosen on the team. And I can remember, man, I play in the school ground with some of these other kids. They can't catch a ball to save their neck. And they didn't pick me. You see, I went home that day thinking, you know what? You're not talented. You can't play ball. Prior to that experience, I thought I was decent. I had a little bit of confidence. But after that incident, I lost all confidence. Why am I telling you those stories? Some of you have received a message somewhere. It could have been, some of you may be 60, 70 years old, but you received a message in grade school that you're still living with. You're a child of God. You love Jesus. You're going to heaven. But the reality is you keep hearing that voice in your head that says this, gives you this message that you are less than everybody else. And I'm here today to tell you that that's a lie straight from the pit of hell and we need to call it what it is and we need to get set free from the spirit of inferiority. Some of you, maybe you feel like you're dumb, that you can't succeed, you can't learn, and that's a lie from hell. Some of you in here today, you feel like you're ugly or you're a failure because somebody told you that or some experience gave you that message, but it's time today that we reprogram the computer. That's not who God says you are. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's time that we renew our mind, not by the messages we received growing up, but by the message of God. God says you are more than a conqueror. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You need to receive what God says and not what some voice in your head says. Amen. Come on, are y'all hearing me today? 
You know, when Joshua and Caleb said, let's go in, you know, when they said, we can take possession of the land. Why did they say that? I believe it's because they heard God say that. God said, y'all go in. And they were repeating what God said. And so if you want to be free from inferiority, you need to hear what God says. You need to know what God says. And you need to start declaring what God says and quit listening to that voice in your head or that abusive person in your workplace. And you need to stand up and be the man and the woman that God has called you to be. Amen. Come on. That's, that's the word. That's the word of the Lord right there for somebody that's in this room today. Amen. So key to overcoming inferiority is focus on what God says and his word and not the giants in the land. Amen. And the giants in the land might be what's in your own head. The second key to overcoming inferiority is this. See the problem for what it is. In Ephesians 6 and 12, it says, for, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers. What's he saying there? See, the problem in, of inferiority is really not a natural or a mental problem, really. It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. The enemy doesn't want you to know your true value. He doesn't want you to receive your true value. So he'll do whatever he can. He'll send a messenger from right within your home to try to mess you up. From right within the church to mess you up. He'll send people that are closer to you to try to mess you up. Why? Because inferiority, it, it, it handicaps and it imprisons people. But we need to know that it's a spiritual problem that can be, a, that can be handled in a spiritual way. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. They are powerful. How many of you know, it doesn't matter what anybody who said what to you whenever, I'm telling you, there's a voice that is greater than any voice you've received. And it's the voice of God. The Lord spoke and creation came into existence. And I believe that God can speak over you and give you a new mindset and a new thinking about yourself that somebody in this room today needs to hear. Amen. Amen. I remember, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't even know this is going on inside of us. And we think, well, I'm just a shy person or, you know, and we just think, well, I'm just outgoing like that. And I'm just, you know, and I just like, you know, I'm just, you know, I just tell people what I think and all that. And really it's masking an inferiority. And we don't even know that we have it. And God wants us to do things and we're, we're like getting, we're hiding behind the wine press. Because we're like, man, I can't do that. We're like Moses. I can't speak. But I can remember, you know, as the Lord began showing me this and that it's a spiritual problem and not a natural problem. And as a youth pastor, I remember going, you know, I, 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 I never went to seminary, never went to Bible college, and I'm having to stand up in the front of a room full of teenagers and preach. And, and if you've ever done that, you know, being in a room full of teenagers can be a little intimidating because, of course, they're the coolest thing on the planet, and you better be as cool as them, Right? But I remember standing up in the front of him going, oh my God, what am I going to do here? And I had all my sermon laid out, man. I had about 25 pages of notes and I'd get up in the front of him. And as soon as I get ready to deliver my sermon, I'd just lose all confidence and start hearing these voices. They're not going to listen to you. And by the way, you're dumb. You're stupid. You're a failure. And all these voices gone on. And of course, I'd get up and try to teach and I, I couldn't preach my way out of a paper bag. And, and I'd go home discouraged. It's like, man, I, I was ready. I was ready. I had my notes. I mean, these were great points. This was going to really preach good. What happened? And I began to recognize I was doing fine until I'd get up in the front of the group. 
But then when I get up in the front of the group, that's when everything would go away. But then one day, one fateful Wednesday night, I happened to be fasting, fasting and praying to get more of God. And I remember I, I, I just got prepared like I normally did. And I remember standing up in the front of that youth room and looking at these teenagers. And all of a sudden, the battle started again. You're dumb. You're a failure. You can't do anything. You're, they're not going to listen to you and all that. And I remember something rose up on the inside of me, like that righteous indignation and saying, no, enough is enough. These people, these, these young people need to hear the word of the Lord. They need to be encouraged. And I just began to plead them in prayer. And something broke that day. And all of a sudden I went from feeling like I was a failure and inadequate and couldn't do anything to all of a sudden feeling this righteous boldness and saying, no, they're going to get the word of the Lord today. And something happened that day and I got set free. And I believe there's some of you in this room right now. You haven't achieved what God wants you to achieve, but you need to break through that spirit of infirmity that's trying to hold you back. Some of you are not living in the promised land that God has for you because you're looking at the giants in the land and you're comparing the giants in the land to your ability, but you need to get your eyes off of your ability and you need to get your eyes on the ability of God. He is unlimited in his ability and he can take out any giant regardless of what size. It doesn't matter what it is and he's gonna give you victory today. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? Would you do me a favor? Let's stand together. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. They'll help you get set free. Let me ask you a question today. Let, let's just take a moment. Let's just take a moment. Please don't leave. Just let's take a moment. I want you to just close your eyes with me for just a moment. Are you struggling with inferiority? You know what's amazing is that some of the most talented people on the globe, some of the most attractive people on the globe, some of the most gifted people on the globe suffer with inferiority. Well, let me ask you today, are you struggling with inferiority? And do you have a need to hide behind everybody else or be aggressive and make sure you're in charge and you rule over everybody because of your own inferiority, because of the own message that you've received that you doesn't have any self-worth? Moses felt inferior because of his physical challenges. Gideon felt inferior because of his birthright and his family heritage. The 10 spies felt inferior because of their personal circumstances. What about you? I just want to just pray for you today. If you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I think this is still hanging on to me and I want it broken off my life. Would you just raise your hands right now? Just lift your hands all over this place, all over this place. Raise both of your hands. Come on, just right now is a good time to be bold and just to step out. Come on, let's be bold. Let's be confident. Let's Come on, let's go into the promised land right now and let's pray right now because the Spirit of the Lord, I believe, is wanting to, to set somebody free today. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would release your power, release your anointing, release your touch. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Listen, those of you that have your hand raised, do me a favor and just come up here to the altar. I just want to, I, I want to seal this this morning. And listen, you know, when Tanya was talking about the struggle she had with fear last week, that, that's a life message. She wasn't telling you something she read in a book. She was telling you something she's going to have to live out every day of her life. Listen, what I'm talking to you about today, it's not what I've read in a book. It's something that I've had to live out every day of my life. And I just, it just really, 
really, it just really burdens my heart. And it just really, really just gives me righteous negation that the enemy would be a bully and try to cause us to feel that way. But I want you to just lift your hands right now. Just lift your hands and let's, come on, let's ask the Lord right now. Come on, let's, come on. I want you to look at the, look at the face of inferiority right now. Just look at it in the face. Look at it in the face. Look at it in the face right now. Call it what it is. And let's say to it right now in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to be bullied. I'm not going to be pushed over. I'm not going to hide behind a wine press. I'm not going to just keep calling myself dumb and I'm a failure and I'm a loser and I can't ever do that. I'm going to quit doing that today. Come on, declare it right now. Declare it right now. Come on, let the confidence of God, let the faith of God, let the spirit of God come upon you right now. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray for a release of your anointing over this altar right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, what does God say about you? Come on, what does God, you are more than a conqueror. You're wonderfully and fearfully made. Come on, but what does the Bible say? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You Come on, what does the Bible say about you? That you are precious in his sight. What does the Bible, come on, receive that today and agree with that and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that I'm successful. Thank you, Lord, that I'm succeeding. Thank you, Lord God, that I am more than a conqueror. Come on, just begin to declare it right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Listen, we're going to just have altar workers come and just agree with you, pray with you. Thank you, Father God. Would you guys, the altar workers, just come and let's just begin to agree with them and pray for them that something supernatural will happen. Hey, listen. Maybe God has a greater work for you. Maybe God has a greater destiny for you. I believe that he does. How many of you willing to reach out to it? How many of you willing to walk in it? Come on. How many of you willing to just go for it? What does God have for me? Let's pray together. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. Lord, we are all like the children of Israel have been given a promise, have been given multiple promises, many promises that you have a great blessing, that you have a great purpose for our lives. And so, Father... I pray right now over this room that, Lord, the spirit of infirmity, the spirit of inferiority, rather, would be broken in the name of Jesus. I thank you that holy boldness is coming over your people today, and they're walking out in the power and the presence of God. It's in the mighty, and it's in the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed said amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. You're dismissed. We're going to pray for those that are up here.